Good morning, and welcome to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. We are broadcasting live from Chicago on Saturday, June 4th, 2022. My name is David Canfield, and uh, you can visit us online at... I have to get my mask off here. You can visit us online at thechristianfaith.org. Uh, and if you uh, want to listen to previous uh, versions of this, uh, pre- previous episodes of this program, you can click on the media tab, and under there is the podcast link. And if you have any comments or questions about the program, you can send us an email at questions at thechristianfaith.org. So, uh, in our previous program, we considered a couple things. First of all, we were looking at um, how Jesus, how the Bible really reflects who Jesus is. In so many ways, the Bible, of course, Jesus is the living Word of God, and the Bible is the written Word of God. And uh, so the Bible, in so many ways, reflects who Jesus is. That was the first part of the program. And then in the second part of the program, we got into the matter of transformation. Uh, And we wanted to see how uh, our being transformed, our experience of transformation, really depends on our being in the Word. So uh, we want to, in this program, we want to continue to really look at the matter of transformation in, in, in a deeper way and really get into this because I think a lot of believers today don't have an adequate concept of what transformation really is. Uh, but before we do that, there's another point about how the Bible reflects Jesus uh, that we want to cover that we didn't, we missed last time. And it's, it's, it's an important point. You know, as, as we said, the Bible is the written, uh, the written word of God, and in so many ways, it's like the living word of God. You know, when Jesus became a man on the earth, uh, he looked like any other man. He just, if, you, if you'd seen him, you would have said, this is just, he's a man just like I am and just like other people are. And yet some people realized within him, uh, there was a life. There was something within him nobody else had. There was just a substance that nobody else had. And and some people touch that, and when they touch that, they realize, I have to have this. I, I want to follow this person. Well, the Bible is the same way. It just looks exactly like any other book. It's not glowing pages. It's not on leaves of gold. It's just it's printed on paper. Sometimes it has a nice binding, but that's about it. If you look at it, it looks like any other book. But there's something in this book that's just not in other books. There's a life in this book. We touch something uh, that you just don't touch in any other book that's ever been. And so... In a lot of ways, as we say, the, the written Word of God is really a reflection of the living Word of God. But one uh, point we did not touch on last week was that both the Bible and Jesus are exclusive. They're both exclusive. So what do we mean by that? Well, of course, in some ways, uh, uh, Jesus uh, is very inclusive. He's, a, he's very inclusive. Anyone can come to the Lord Jesus. John six thirty seven. he says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and uh, the one who comes to me I will never cast out. So anyone can come to the Lord. In that sense, Jesus is very, very inclusive. All we have to do is believe in him. Uh, uh, John five twenty four says, uh, He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. And again, that, that applies to anyone. There's no qualification. Anyone can believe in the Lord in that way. And of course, John 3.16, uh, 
God so loved the world. We all, this is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So whoever, whoever wills may come and believe in the Lord. Whatever your background is, whatever your religious background, whatever your kind of belief system you have, even if you, you, you feel you're such a, a sinner, no, Jesus wants you to come and believe in him and receive the forgiveness of sins and, and the gift of eternal life. So in that sense, Jesus is very inclusive. But he's exclusive in the sense that he, he always stresses he is the only way to come to God. There is no other way to come to God except by faith in Jesus Christ. So in that sense, he's exclusive. He excludes every other way of coming to God. He's saying, you have to come to God through me. You know, in Matthew 16, um, the Lord asked the disciples, he says, who do men say that I am? And uh, uh, they reply, uh, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You know, people can recognize Jesus as a prophet. And that's what they thought at the time he was on the earth. He's just, he's just a prophet, right? The Muslims like to say he's, Jesus is a prophet. And the Baha'i also, they, they say Jesus is a prophet. They recognize him that way. But to recognize Jesus as more than a prophet, it takes a revelation. And that's, uh, so Jesus went on, he asked his disciples. And again, the verses is Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17. He says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in the heavens. So uh, flesh and blood can tell us Jesus is a prophet. And if, he, if we feel Jesus is one prophet, he's one teacher, one spiritual teacher among many, that's, that's a, a natural concept. That's our thought. To really see who Jesus is, to really see that he's the unique Son of God, um, the, the Christ, the Son of the living God, that takes a revelation from the Father. And we should open our heart and say, God, help me to know who Jesus is. Who is Jesus to you? Is he really unique? Is, is he just another man? Is he, is he just a prophet? Or is he really the unique Son of God who became a man in the flesh? Help me to see. Help me to know your view of who Jesus is. It really takes a revelation. When you see that view, then you can begin to see why Jesus insisted that he is the only way to come to God. Uh, in uh, uh, John 8, uh, 24, he's talking to the, to the Pharisees and to the Jews. He says, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. That is just a, a, a bold, um, un, unqualified statement. You have to believe, he says, that I am, or you will die in your sins. And the Jews knew what he was talking about. The name uh, of God in the Old Testament is Jehovah. Uh, and when Moses uh, asked uh, God uh, who, who he was, who should he tell the children of Israel uh, who it was who had sent him, uh, the Lord replied, he says, uh, I am who I am. Tell, him, tell them the I am has sent you. So that's the name of Jehovah God. So Jesus is saying here, unless you believe that I am, in other words, that he is Jehovah, God who became a man in the flesh, you will die in your sins. He said that to the Jewish leaders, a very, very serious statement. He says, everything depends on your relationship with him. What's your relationship with him? Uh, John 10, uh, 7 through 9, he says, again, speaking to the, to the Jews, Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So here you see both sides. He says he's the door. He's the unique door of salvation in John chapter 10, uh, verses 7 through 9. But anyone can enter into that door. The door is open to anyone, but you have to enter in through this door. No, we think God can just forgive anybody and without any problem uh, because we don't have a sense of the seriousness of sin. We don't have God's holy nature in ourselves. Uh, but he can't do that. He has to uh, honor his nature. He cannot deny himself. That's what the Bible tells us. 2 Timothy chapter 2, maybe verse 14, I think it is. Uh, no, 13. Uh, he cannot deny himself. Uh, and so his kindness is not simply to forgive our sins. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, I believe it is, it says his kindness leads us to repentance. He can't simply overlook our sins, but in his kindness, he wants to lead us to repentance, to believe in Jesus Christ, to take that door so we can be saved. Anyone can enter that door, but we have to take that door to be saved. So again, there you see, there you see both sides, the, the inclusiveness and the exclusiveness of who Jesus is. And of course, John 14, 6 is uh, uh, a very famous statement along these lines. Jesus said to them, said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So again, he's saying very strongly, it's, it's, it's a very strong, unqualified claim. If you want to come to the Father, you have to come through him. There is no other way. So that's the exclusiveness of Jesus. Anyone can come, but we have to come through him. Uh, and so that's, that's in, uh, he was saying he is the only way to God. Well, the Bible is, it is very similar in this respect. Uh, the Bible, uh, all through the Bible, we see that the Bible is also exclusive. It claims to be the unique divine revelation to mankind. God doesn't have another revelation that he's given to mankind. It's only contained in what we today call the Bible, uh, the scriptures that are contained in the Old and New Testaments. Uh, as we've seen before uh, in these, uh, on this program, time and time again, when Jesus was on the earth, he quoted the Bible as his unique authority. He constantly was saying, it is written. Or he's asking the Jews, have you never read? And every time he made that kind of a statement, he was referring to what we today call the Old Testament, to the Jewish Bible, the scriptures that are contained in, 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 in the Old Testament. Uh, and of course, today we also have the New Testament, but that's where uh, God's unique revelation to mankind is found. Uh, so we see at the end of the Bible, at the very end of the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 18, uh, the apostle, uh, uh, well, uh, just read the verse. It says, I testify to everyone. This isn't John speaking. I believe it's the angel. Uh, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. So God's revelation to mankind was closed with the end of the book of Revelation. Uh, and that's it, that God has no more revelations for mankind. It's not like one people gets one revelation, another people gets another revelation. Again, the Bible is very, just like Jesus, the Bible is exclusive. Anyone can get a Bible. Anyone can open a Bible and have a Bible and read it today. That hasn't always been the case, of course. Uh, Satan has done everything he can to try to limit 
uh, people from getting the Bible. But today, especially in this country, now in some countries it's still the case, it's still hard to get a Bible. But in this country, at least, anyone can get a Bible and read a Bible and see what it says for yourself. And this is God's revelation to mankind. Uh, so both Jesus and the Bible are exclusive. And they say this, Jesus says he's the only savior. And the Bible is saying this is God's only revelation for mankind. Uh, so praise the Lord. Again, we see here how the Bible in so many ways just reflects how the Bible as the written word of God in so many ways reflects the living word of God. Uh, but I do want to add a word here. Yes, in, in Western civilization, we've been very blessed to receive the Bible and to have the Bible really is the basis of our civilization. You know, for however many years, almost 2,000 years now, for 1,500 years, depending on how you want to count it. But um, that is a tremendous blessing. But God is going to hold us accountable for what we did with that blessing. Uh, Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much more will be required. So we will be held to a higher standard of accountability than those uh, people who never had access to the Bible. God's not going to judge them so strictly as he will those of us who had the chance to, to receive his word and to benefit from it. He's going to check with us how, how much benefit did you really receive? Did it really cause you to turn to me? Or was it uh, just something for your own benefit? God's, God is fair. God is fair. And so because he's given us such a blessing, he's going to hold us to a higher standard of accountability. So, praise the Lord. That's, uh, that's basically uh, what we wanted to say about uh, the exclusivity of Jesus and of the Bible. And I, I think that'll be enough uh, for this segment. In the next segment, we're going to go on and we're going to begin to uh, consider this matter of uh, transformation, as I say, in a deeper way. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by his mercy, may use the ChristianFaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge both of our Savior and of our faith in him, so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for his purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and to all of God's children for his sake and his glory. Amen. So welcome back. And as I said at the, at the end of the previous segment, right now we want to really begin to consider in a, in a somewhat more in-depth way, what is this matter of transformation? Because uh, as we've been stressing uh, uh, in these programs, at the start of uh, uh, this program, in these first few episodes, we really want to help believers appreciate the Word in a deeper way and our need to be in the Word. And what we saw in our last program is that our being transformed really depends on our being in the Word. 
are spending time with the Lord in his word. Apart from that, very, very hard for us to really experience transformation. So, so because of that, we, we felt we needed to consider in a deeper way what is transformation. And that's what we really want to focus on in this segment. What is transformation? Uh, I've, I've spoken with believers sometimes about this topic. Uh, and it, it seems like they're just not clear sometimes about uh, even that we are supposed to be transformed. And when I started to get into this and really study this matter, I, I, I realized one big reason for that is how this word is translated in the New Testament. Uh, there's, you know, the New Testament shows us a number of different stages that we go through in our pathway of salvation, the shun words, so to speak. Uh, and, and they're related to each other. Uh, but, uh, there's, but there's a number of different uh, stages that we go through. It begins with uh, regeneration and sanctification. Regeneration, sorry. It begins with justification and regeneration. Again, these are the shun words. Regen justification means I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior so that my sins are forgiven. And then uh, I'm cleansed and I'm justified by God. And, and a good way to remember that is that uh, it's justified, never sinned. Because our sins are forgiven, then we experience regeneration. And regeneration means God gives us his divine life. That's what it means to be born anew. It means God imparts his divine life into our being. That's regeneration. Regeneo, uh, anageneo, to be born again. We're born again at that point. So that's what we've experienced in the past is justification and regeneration. In the future, we're going to experience confirmation and glorification. Confirmation means my whole being has been fully conformed to the image of God's Son. That's Romans 8.29. And that happens when the divine life permeates my whole being so that I'm glorified. I'm glorified by the divine life. That's in the future. And those really are, will happen pretty much simultaneously. Uh, it just as in the past, justification and regeneration also happened pretty much simultaneously. But if, okay, so we, if we have that in the past and in the future, what should we experience today? Well, that's sanctification and transformation. And when I talk to believers, uh, they have some concept of sanctification, but very few have a real clear idea of, of, of what transformation is. And these two, they're closely related. They really go together, just like regeneration uh, and justification go together, confirmation and glorification go together. In the same way, sanctification and transformation really go together. They're two sides of the same coin, and we may be able to touch that a little bit um, in this program. I think in the next program, we're really going to try to get into uh, these, the relationship between the two in a, in a more extensive way. Uh, but like I say, believers have some concept of sanctification, but just not clear at all about transformation. Well, when I was looking at this topic and preparing for this program, uh, I began to realize one big reason why that is is because the translation of this word in so many uh, versions of the New Testament is just atrocious. It's just, uh, it just completely obscures the real meaning of the word transformation. And uh, I, I don't know Greek, uh, so I'm not by any means a Greek scholar, but you can look at the words, and that's what I've been doing, and see... Uh, see how they should be translated, where they should be used, uh, using the tools and the uh, 
dis- different resources that we have. In it. Uh, and I, I was using um, Vincent, M.R. Vincent, who's an authority on, on, on the Greek, quite an authority. Uh, that was very helpful. But just, just using it, the tools, just seeing where this word appears in the New Testament. And it just, I, I just had to shake my head why these, these versions translate it the way they do. So the Greek word for transformation is metamorpho. And it's used four times in the New Testament, no more and no less. And when you translate it consistently, that's when the matter of transformation becomes clear. Unfortunately, uh, almost every translation uh, in, translates this word in Matthew 17, 2, and Mark 9, 2, when it's talking about the Lord being changed on the mountaintop. Every translation uh, translates this word metamorpho as transfiguration. They don't use the word transformation. They use the word transfiguration. The only exception is the New Living Translation. That says transformation. Every other translation says that I could find says transfiguration. Now in Romans 12, excuse me, Romans 12 2, where Paul says we need to be transformed by the renewing of the mind, there they all use the word transformation. I mean, that's the right way to translate that word. And I have to say, for a, a long time, as a believer, I did not realize that what Romans 12 is talking about is the same thing that's happening in the Gospels because there were different words. I assumed it was a different different Greek word. Uh, it wasn't until later on I found out, wait a minute, this this is the same Greek word. It's talking about the same thing. It's In both places, it's really talking about transformation. Uh, and, and that makes a big difference to realize that because... Uh, well, we'll get, into, uh, we'll get into that a little bit more later on. But it makes a big difference to see the relationship between the use of those word, that word in those two different places. Then uh, the other place where the word is used is in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18, where it says we're transformed as we're beholding Christ. And most of the translations use there the word transformed. But the King James says changed which just completely is, is, is a completely inadequate word to describe what what's, uh, uh, Paul is talking about there. So if you're a King James only believer, I just, I just feel sorry because you have no way to understand what the New Testament is showing us about transformation. And then even the King James goes on after that. This, uh, uh, it uses the word transformed in 2 Corinthians 11 where it's talking about Satan, uh, verses 13 through 15, Satan transforming himself, it says, into an angel of light. But that's not the right word there. That's, it's a different Greek word. So it's just, it's just incredibly confusing to try to really understand uh, what the New Testament is showing us about the matter of transformation. So the key thing to keep in mind is, is it, this word is used in these four places in the New Testament and only in those four places. Then it begins, things begin to, to come clear. But we do need to understand the difference between, uh, both in Greek and in English, between the word transform and transfigure, it, because it's significant. And then we begin to see, when we understand it, then we'll begin to see what transformation really is. Now, as I said, uh, one uh, resource uh, that was very helpful for me in this regard was M.R. Vincent's Word Studies. And he was, he's quite a, a widely recognized authority on the Greek. And he has this to say. Now, okay, so... Uh, First of all, the Greek word for transformation is metamorpho, and it's composed of two words, meta, which is a preposition, and then the key word is morpho, morpho. Uh, And it's a source word, of course, for our English word, metamorphosis. Now, here's what Vincent, uh, in his comment on uh, metamorphosis, 
metamorpho in Matthew 17. Uh, here's his part of his comment. He says, morpho denotes the form regarded as the distinctive nature and character of the object and is distinguished from schema, the changeable outward fashion. In a man, for instance, his gestures, clothes, words, and acts. So morpho refers to what I really am, the real nature of a thing. And that's the significance of this word transformation. Transformation In English, of course, when we use the word form, a lot of times we're talking about something outward. And uh, I, transformation may have that meaning. It may include the meaning of something outward in the Greek, but it also is dealing with something deeper. It's, it does include this thought of the real nature, the real essence of a thing. Uh, and Vine, W.E. Vine, who's another authority, he says the same thing. Morphe lays stress on the inward change, schema on the outward. Well, okay, that and we've both uh, of these authors refer to this word schema, and that's the difference between the the word transformation and the word transfiguration in the Greek. In the Greek, transfiguration, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this, but it's uh, uh, metaschismatizo, metaschismatizo. Okay, it's something like that. I'm sorry, I, I can't do better. Like I said, I'm, I'm not a, by any means a Greek scholar. But uh, this word, metaschematizo, uh, again, the first part is that preposition, meta. The latter part, it's basically, it's a form of this word schema that both Mr. Vincent and Mr. Vine talked about. And as they pointed out, the schema is the outward appearance. It's not the reality, it's only the appearance. And so that's why you have to carefully distinguish between the use of these two words. Now, in Matthew 17, 2 and Mark uh, 9, 2, as I say, every translation uh, translates metamorpho as transfigure. And in English, these words are closely related because they both have the meaning of uh, outward appearance. But transform includes a meaning that transfigure does not. Transform includes the meaning of a change of nature, and that's not included in the meaning of the word transfigure. So uh, the translations use the word transfigure in Matthew 17 and Mark 9 because there it's the Lord's outward appearance that was changed. But it's really not the right way to translate that. And, and Vincent gets into this in his word study and he asks he's asking why okay because it's dealing with the outward appearance why didn't uh the holy spirit there use the word for transfiguration why did he use the word for transformation and he says because what happened to the lord on the mount was not simply an appearance it was his real nature coming out of his inward being even though it was temporary it was still his real nature and that's why the Holy Spirit uses the word transformation there, not the word transfiguration. And I just, it, I'm so sad uh, because so many believers don't really understand what transformation is because of the way the translations uh, use that word in Matthew uh, 17. It's really not right. Then you get confused with as far, as far as appearance versus reality. But once we understand in the Greek, the word there is the word transformed, then you can relate it to Romans uh, 12 too. And you see, the Bible is showing us in Matthew 17 and uh, 
Mark 9 and also in Luke 9 where the word is not used. But it's showing us what it means for us to be transformed inwardly. We see outwardly in Matthew and Mark. In Romans, we're told this is the kind of change we need to have inwardly. And so what the Bible is showing us, the key point to understand is it's showing us we need to have a change of nature. It's not simply that we change our uh, uh, outward uh, conduct. It's not a change simply of our beliefs. Our very nature is being changed. We are being transformed into something that we weren't before because we're receiving a new nature. And when you look at the whole New Testament, the um, what we understand from the whole New Testament is that as believers in Christ, we are receiving the divine nature into our being. Uh, that's what it means to be transformed. It means the divine nature is being imparted into my being. So I, I want to stress this. This is because this is really the key to understanding what transformation is. And a good passage for understanding this is in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, uh, 6 through 8. Because here you see these two different words used in this same passage. And this is the passage where it's talking about Jesus becoming a man. So I'll just quote it. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. Okay. Um, so here it says Jesus existed in the form of God. So that shows us that this word, form, relates to the nature. He wasn't simply had the appearance of God. It's saying he was God in his nature and in his essence. That's what it means in the New Testament, to have the form of God, right? But then he made himself of no reputation and became a bondservant and came in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, uh, he humbled himself. Now, that word likeness there, is also uh, that word form. Actually, that's the new trend. I'm going to, uh, I want to switch to a different translation. Uh, this one is not bringing out uh, the relationship between these words. So I have to switch and find that. Philippians chapter 2. Uh, you have to be careful with, so careful uh, with translating the words. You, otherwise, you just, you just lose the meaning. It's so easy to do. Okay, um, he existed in the form of God. In verse 7, he took the form of a slave. And again, that's this word morpho, that, that Greek word morpho. In this other translation, you miss that, right? Uh, I believe that's the New American Standard. He came in the likeness of men, but it's the same Greek word. In verse 6, he took the form of God. In verse uh, 7, he took the form of a slave. And then uh, in verse 8, he was found in fashion as a man. That word fashion there is that word schema. It's the, that again is that word that refers to outward appearance. So he had the inward reality of God in verse 6. And that's so striking about the word in verse 7. It says he took the form of a slave. It doesn't say he took the, the uh, fashion of a slave. He took the form of a slave. What that's saying is that this one who really was God really took the form of a slave. He wasn't and apparently a slave, he was really and actually a slave. He became a slave to save us. How God lowered himself in the incarnation is really something. 
Uh, and when you when you have a proper translation, it really brings out this thought. It's so touching. The Lord became a slave to save us, a real slave. But it says he was found in fashion as a man. That's the outward appearance. Now, it's not saying that he wasn't really a man here. He was a real genuine man. But this, the, the fashion that he took on for that brief period when he was on the earth, that was something that was only uh, temporary. It was the likeness of the flesh of sin. And that, of course, uh, passed away. Uh, that fashion of his being a mortal man passed away through his death on the cross when he uh, uh, took on his glorified, uh, uplifted humanity. He's still a man today. So his humanity, I want to be clear, his humanity didn't pass away. But what did pass away was that outward appearance of his being a mortal man. So you see here that he existed in the form of God. He had the real form of God. And uh, so when it's talking about us being transformed, it's saying we are also receiving a, a new nature, just like he had in the nature of of being God. We're receiving a new nature when we're being transformed. It's so crucial to understand that. That's what transformation is. It means we have a new form entering into us uh, that we didn't have before. Our, uh, before we, we were simply human. Now we're being transformed by the divine nature entering into our whole being. Uh, so that's going to do it for this segment. Uh, in the next session, uh, we're going to bring on uh, dear brother Joe Pope from uh, Pittsburgh. And we're going to have some fellowship more about this, more fellowship about this matter of transformation. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org, to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by his mercy, may use the ChristianFaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge, both of our Savior and of our faith in him, so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for his purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and to all of God's children, for his sake and his glory. Amen. Hello, and welcome back to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. And now we're going to bring on a dear brother that I've known for many years from Pittsburgh, Brother brother Joe Pope. And uh, Joe, are you on the line there? Uh, yes, Dave. Can you hear me? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, the listeners uh, should know that we're uh, we're still new at this, so we're, we're learning the technical end, and, uh, and it's probably pretty evident at the beginning of the program especially. But anyway, so, but Joe, welcome to the program. Good to talk to you. And uh, Thanks, Dave. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. So, no, great you can be on. Um, and again, as I say, uh, Joe is... Uh, uh, from Pittsburgh and a brother I've known for many years, praise the Lord. And so, Joe, first of all, um, 
you know, I just just want to open it up and say if you have any feeling about uh, any of the things uh, you've been listening. Yes. Go yes. ahead. And, uh, I do, Dave. I, yeah. I, I do appreciate your expounding of the Greek word metamorpho, metamorphosis, and because it's um, it makes things clear, you know, transformed, transfigured. That's really uh, worth getting into because um, it, 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 the meaning of that. And you're, you're right, King James Version in 2 Corinthians 3.18 uh, uses the word changed, although I have a new King James Version in my hand. And in um, mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians, he, they changed that to transform. Okay, yeah, right. So there yeah. was the change from the right. original King James, the yeah. old English, to the new, to yeah. transform. So I'm glad that change was made that you right. pointed out. But, you know, I, I, I just want to comment on the first part of what you were commenting about, about God being <clears throat> inclusive. And I couldn't mm-hmm. help but think, you know, God so loved the world Amen. that he gave his only begotten Son. God loves the world. And God desires that all men would be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth. I mean, that God's heart is so inclusive, so yeah. broad, so right. inclusive, everything. Yet, yet he, he, you know, he, as you pointed out, the way is exclusive. He declared, "I am the way. I am the truth. I am the. Right. I am the life. Right. No one comes to the Father except through me." And that's hard. Sometimes your people understand, but it's, it's God's word, you know, yeah. and, he, and he's the originator, originator, he's the author, you know, so I have no choice in that other than receive it. And I was looking at a verse, <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, verse 17 says, for in, in it, the righteousness, he's talking about salvation, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So this is God's righteousness. Amen. And I think you alluded to that fact. God is a righteous God, His nature, and He has bound Himself by His own righteousness. At any rate, but, um, so yeah. yeah, He's so inclusive. God's the heart is for everybody to know Him. Yes, right. Yet the way is exclusive. I am the way. Yeah. I am the truth. And so I like that. I, I think like it's that. a hard concept for us to, as fallen human beings to grasp because mm-hmm. because we don't appreciate God's holiness we think God because mm-hmm. because we're not holy we think well just just forgive people you know but mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I, I've said before on this program you know there some people like to say no justice no peace and it's really true mm-hmm. there, there could not mm-hmm. be peace in the universe if God was not absolutely holy and if he didn't really judge every sin that's ever been sinned in a perfect way you know his righteousness has not yet been revealed revelation mm-hmm. 15 says it, it, it it, mm-hmm. In the future, it will be revealed, and then all the nations mm-hmm. are going to praise the Lord. Then we'll really see how God was absolutely righteous in everything He ever did. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know the thing, ahead, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Well, the thing that the profound thing that, that just—I mean—it's way beyond my imagination, Dave. Even to get your head around it, how yeah. how, how God God has made it so profoundly simple. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of faith. Yeah. It's out of That's faith right. to faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Amen. It's not faith plus works, right. faith plus I'm right. going to live a better life, or yeah. faith plus any kind of gifts. It's just believing, receiving what God has given to us, yeah. just accepting it. It's just, I mean, how, how simple is that? You don't have to be a Rhodes yeah. Scholar. Yeah. To open your heart to believe in the Lord Jesus, to receive Him as yeah. your Lord and Savior. At any no. rate, I so, don't want to go off of that. That's another topic, but yeah. 
you're you're talking about transformation. Well, I, I just I just I just wanted to add one point before before we switch over, Joe. Yeah, to get back to transformation. You know, I just because I'm I'm just kind of mm-hmm. laughing. You know, it's a serious matter. But you talk to some people, and 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 you talk to them about God's judgment. And uh, mm-hmm. and I, I was going to add. I, I I don't think uh, I did before. I was going to, but uh, uh, Romans two four is a very crucial verse because mm-hmm. we think God can just forgive us, but the verse here is saying, Romans 2, 4 says, his kindness leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. His kindness is not simply, uh, I'm just going to forget about your sin. His right. kindness, he is kind, but his kindness is leading right. us to repentance. But you right. talk to some people and and you, you you explain this to them. You have to believe in Jesus. You're going to be condemned. And they say, oh, I, I, I'm not going to believe in any, any God who would condemn anybody to hell. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not going to believe in that. Mm-hmm. And then, then you tell them, well, okay, but all you have to do to be saved is just tell God basically you want to be saved. You want your sins forgiven. And uh-huh. then they say, well, it can't be that easy. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Sometimes I think the Lord would just throw up and say, what am I going to do with these people? Anyway, so I just, I know. there's always some kind of objection, right? So anyway. I know, David. It's like, how, how, how much, how similar can you make it? You know, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. this, this is God's love, yet he's still bound himself by his righteousness. Yeah. You know, you yes. have to receive, yes. believe. But he says that simple. Believe in your heart. Confess yeah. with your mouths. Amen. And you shall be saved. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of an easier, yeah. easier way. Amen, Joe. You, know, Amen. you don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to make a copa. Yeah. You don't have to go to Mecca. You just receive. Yeah. And at any rate, yeah. come back to transformation. I, I'm, I'm looking at yeah. a book here <clears throat> that was, um, it's called An Exposition of the New Testament Words. It was written mm. by Dr. Philip Comfort. Um, mm. who I know personally, yeah, sure. actually witnessed to me. And he, I know just read his, his explanation, transformation, if I'm a, a metamorpho foo, if I'm pronouncing that right anyway, I'm not. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, that's what I had to say too. I'm, I qualify it, but I think it's metamorpho is, yeah, but go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Transformation <laughs> is the divine essence coming into us to replace the fallen human nature. Okay, so mm. you talk about him. It's a life essence that yeah. comes in to replace a fallen human nature. We are human, but the divine element, elements are coming into our being wow. to replace our natural essence. Amen. This is what the New Testament calls transformation. Transformation is not an outward change, but an inward metabolism. Metabolism is an inward change caused by a new element replacing the old. The new replaces the old. For example... Eating and drinking causes a great deal of transformation. Day by mm. day, our body is undergoing a process of metabolism. Amen. New elements get into our body to discharge and replace the old. This is called metabolism. Our body is constantly being metabolized, which gives us the daily newness. In the same way, we must take Christ in daily. That's right, the Bible says, Amen. Jesus, that I am Amen. the bread of life. Yeah. I'm the water, the living water. So we need Amen. to take Christ in daily. Amen. And I think you alluded that to his word is so important. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Christ will get into us to be the new element to replace and discharge all the old things. In this way, we have the divine metabolism. And I like that. Yeah. This is something organic. This is something, you know, this is something of God's life. Jesus said, I am right. the way. Right? No, he said what? Unless a man be uh, born of the Spirit, right? So that when, yeah. when the Spirit comes into us, Paul uh, uh, Billheimer talked about when we receive the, 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 the seed of life, when we are regenerated, we receive the divine element of God. He used the word, we mm. receive the sperma of God, or mm. like 
we receive the, the genetic essence yeah. in, a, in a grain of wheat yeah. that fell into the ground and died, that yeah. it might bring forth more life. So in that spirit, in that divine essence we receive, or the genetic code to make this sinner into a son of God. Mm. I, I, it, you know, to wrap your mind around it is incredible. Yeah. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have come up in man's heart the things yeah. which God has prepared for us. Amen. And I like what Peter says. Uh, Peter says, um, uh, we are partakers. This right. is Second uh, yeah. Peter chapter 1, verse 4, by which having been given to us, he's talking about the glory, exceeding great and precious promises. Hmm. These promises come by God's Word, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption which is in the world through lust. So the whole process of transformation is just miraculous. It's just miraculous. It's it's not an outward WWJD, what would Jesus do? I tried that. I tried to imitate Jesus. I tried to be humble. Yeah, and that doesn't work, right? It's, it's like me saying, hey, Dave, did you read my book on humility? <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to tell you how to be humble. That, that does not work. That is, yeah. And uh, what, it was a campus. Campus wrote the book, uh, Imitation of, of, of Jesus, or Imitation of Christ. Yeah. Okay, you can imitate, but that's different than what you were talking about in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you. It was in Christ Jesus, and then you described that 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 that, that living life that uh, that was in God that we can, that we have we have the life of Jesus. We have the Spirit that is has regenerated something living and organic within us. Okay, it, it really it really shows. This is you know re- religion wants to reform us. It, it wants to make yeah. us uh, behave in a certain way. That's man's religion always does that. And, you know, it doesn't matter what religion you're talking about. And so you know, many people turn Christianity into religion. They say it's yeah, a matter of exactly. how, how I can be, uh, behave in a better way. But the yeah. New Testament thought here, and that's why it's so crucial to grasp this concept mm-hmm. of transformation. It's not about behavior. It's about our nature. Uh, you know, exactly. if you, if you, uh, you know, if you want to, uh, peach tree to bring forth cherries, it's not going to do it. Yeah. It has yeah. the peach tree nature. It has only to have bring forth the cherries, you have to have a change right. in that nature. And that's what's happening. That's right. We can live and express the uh, the divine life only as that divine life is working within us. And I know we were talking yesterday about this, the example of the of the caterpillar, caterpillar right? Mm-hmm. So it, mm-hmm. it's the same type no, of thing. Right, Dave, I, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. You're, you're very absolutely right. I'm looking at a out of a uh, book here that we use for our grandchildren. It's called The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Oh, yeah. And it talks about how this 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 egg develops into this worm, and this worm becomes, you know, it's this life transformation process, uh, a monarch butterfly. I can remember distinctly uh, as kids, we lived in the country, and I can remember seeing these green, ugly caterpillars eating the milkweed. You know, milkweed is... Uh, they call it milkweed because you squeeze them. It's like milk. Oh. And these caterpillars, if you watch the life process, these caterpillars just eat and eat and eat. Mm. And this, this, this child's book, this uh, I read to my grandchildren, The Hungry Caterpillar, talks about he just has this insatiable hunger to eat everything. Well, that's in a sense, we should have this insatiable hunger for Christ to, to come to the Word, to eat it with, you know. He that eats me shall live because of me. I am the word of life, right? Yeah. So, so I earn the bread of life, rather. And so this, but I can remember a 
head, these caterpillars, would eat and eat and eat. And eventually, they would spin this, I don't know, cocoon, they call it chrysolite or something. That this uh, chrysalis, I think is the, yeah. Thank you, thank you. That's the, that's the right pronunciation, chrysalis. And they would spin this thing, and where formerly you saw the worm, now you see this, this chrysalis hanging from a leaf, from a milkweed. Mm. Okay, then after a time, of course, you know, out comes this, this beautiful butterfly, fully transformed. Okay, well, what's interesting, a brother one time had mentioned he dissected this chrysalis, this, mm-hmm. this cocoon, and inside you didn't see this worm who was sprouting wings. You didn't mm-hmm. see this caterpillar that was sprouting mm-hmm. antenna. Whether you saw, he called it an organic, what do you call it, organic gel, mm-hmm. like this jelly. Mm-hmm. And, and somebody had described it, you see the white juices Mm-hmm. of the, 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 the food that the caterpillar was eating on, and it just had died. This thing has died. Mm-hmm. And, then, and so it's, it's, it speaks of the death and resurrection of Christ. You know, it is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in an earthly body. It was raised in a heavenly body. And what a marvelous picture. What a marvelous picture. So this, this, this caterpillar actually yeah, dies in, in, in this organic gel, and then somehow... Through metamorphosis, there's a change. Yeah. There's a change. And then, of course, you know, the result is is a uh, modern butterfly. We were, my wife and I were in um, in San Obispo, uh, San Luis Obispo. I oh, guess. yeah, where the, the butterflies California. go? Yeah. The monarchs? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I'll never forget. It was yeah. this, 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 these hmm. trees and eucalyptus trees yeah. that the butterflies would all congregate on. Right. And this, of course... The migration, you know, I, I, it's amazing. Um, yeah. I guess they say from Western U.S. they go to the California, from the Eastern yeah. they go to Mexico. But anyway, the picture, what I thought was leaves on the tree mm. were actually monarch butterflies. Mm. What an expression! Yeah, what an expression of of a life that has been transformed. Mm. And Dave, you know, it, well, yeah, just, if you, know, you um, it's such a good picture of. Of transformation, because it, mm-hmm. you know you could tell you could talk to a caterpillar all you want, you could teach it all at right. once about flying, and here's the instruction right. manual, and here's what you got to do. Right. It's it's right. never going to fly. It has to go through right. this process to become a butterfly, right. and that's exactly that's like right. us uh, in terms of our Christian life. If we're trying to live the Christian life by our old fallen nature, it simply can't work. The only way we can really enter into the reality of the Christian life is by this process of transformation so that we begin spontaneously to express something of who Christ is. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ living in me. Right. Amen. So that's, uh, I really like that, that picture of the caterpillar. Just, it really helps us to see, yeah. oh, that's how I enter into the you know, Christian life. It's by this process of transformation. By this process. Yeah. Exactly. This life, I would call it a life organic process. It yeah. only, I mean, this is marvelous. It's marvelous. Yeah. It's not mechanical. It's organic. And I think as you're talking, I'm thinking about my own experience as a fallen sinner, uh, you know, on the, cam- on the campus as a student when I came to Christ. When I came to Christ, you know, having been, a sinner apart from God, and then having received the Lord and as my Lord and Savior, you know, as a student, my, <laughs> I remember, my dormitory or my, my apartment room was decorated with walls of pictures that were not 
particularly godly pictures. Not as, uh, yeah, probably not an untypical college dorm. Right? No, they, were, they were ungodly pictures. They were, yeah. they were photos. Yeah. Okay, this, yeah. I'm a fallen sinner. <clears throat> I, 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 okay, had the brothers, right, you know, Christian come to my apartment and pointed out to these things, oh, these are sinful, these are fallen, you know, that that would have been the end of it. I'd say, forget about it. I don't mm-hmm. need you, you know. But I remember this is the life process. This is the transformation mm-hmm. working on me, a sinner, one day sitting in my room and looking at these pictures. And I said, oh, my goodness. Um, these, these are really ungodly. These things need to go. So I went through and took all the pictures off the walls. I went through my records that were not mm-hmm. necessarily godly and threw mm-hmm. away. I cleaned house. Okay, who could do that? Only God's wife working in yeah. metamorphic metamorphosis, yeah. right, going yeah. on, changing my, my 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 position. And without an outward teaching, this was the life process convicting me. This is a life process enlightening me. And that, and that's real. Process. It's it's yes. we may do something. Yes. We may try to live a certain way because we think that's the way we should live. But eventually that's right. that's not really going to work. What what is real is right. when this it's the expression of this transforming work within us. That's what's real. That's Absolutely. What Absolutely. You know, you can take a chimpanzee and you can, yeah, you right. can dress him up like a human being. You can put a little tie on him. You can put gloves on him. You can sit him down to have tea, a little teacup, and he can go through the process. Of, you know, And we all laugh at that. Yeah. Right. yeah, we would laugh. It's right. entertaining. But the, but once, once the show is over, though, the monkey goes back to be the chimpanzee. He right. has... The, the monkey nature, the right. law of life, the monkey life operating. Okay, right. but if you can inject somehow, either I want stem cells or you could, in, in, you know, inject some mm. kind of a human genetic essence into him that could change something within him, you know, then change would come by life, by yeah. organically, by metamorphosis. Okay, Amen. so what God has done, you know, we, we were crucified with Christ, so we had to die with him. So there's something new could be uh, yes, right. inserted it in, yeah. into us that can, can live out this life of God. It's a process of death and said. resurrection. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Amen. And the whole salvation experience, regenerated, and then we're justified, and, and, and then they were being sanctified, and that's where we are now. And yeah. sanctification being separated positionally, yes, right. uh, outwardly, and dispositionally, inwardly, yeah. comes through the changing of our mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hmm. Or, or we all with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, Amen. are being transformed. Amen. Okay. Uh, I, I love that, Dave. Yeah. That's Amen, the life operating within us. That's the life. Yeah. Only God can do that. Amen, Joe. Uh, and just, yeah, really so. It, it, this is, it's a, it's a divine work in our being. And I just, I just want right, to, we just have a couple minutes left here. I want to, uh, mm-hmm. you know. A touch on this quote. I read this last week on the show, and I, I don't know if you looked at it, Joe. I sent it over from Moro, and just to stress, uh, sure. he, he says, says it in such a good way. Uh, this is from Philip Morrow's book, uh, Life in the Word. Let it be noted that the transformation is a gradual operation uh, call, calling for steadfastness and contemplating the object placed before us by the Holy Spirit, namely Christ. Yeah. Little by little, uh, as our gaze is fixed upon him, we're transformed. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here just to get through it quickly. Thus, where the work proceeds from glory to glory, uh, the confirmation to his image is not accomplished, as some would have it, by an instantaneous transfiguration, um, but uh, it is accomplished gradually while the believer is continually occupied with Christ. There's no hysterical shortcut. 
Christ must be known from the written word under the tuition of the Holy Spirit. And so I think that gets back to Joe, Joe to what you were saying about the uh, uh, feeding on Christ day by day. That's, that's where we really experience this transformation. And that comes as we're with him in the written word. Oh, uh, amazing, Dave. Yeah. Amazing. So we just have about a half minute left, Joe, if uh, you have any... Uh, uh, anything you want to add to close out? No, I just I just want to say when you look at this process and you described it uh, uh, in a very good way, you know, where we're regenerated, right, and then we're sanctified, we're 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 being we're being sanctified rather, and this is where we are today, uh, and that saying that separation comes by the light operating within us to transform our minds, right, not to not to be yes. conformed or patient according to this age, and then of course then then there's the confirmation. Romans eight twenty nine, right? Yes. Right. He's conforming us to the image of his son that he That's might, right? right? Amen. It, it's amazing. When you think about that, God wants to bring sinners to sons of God. Amen. Right? In, that, yeah. in life and in nature. Amazing. amazing. That, that is real grace, Joe. Only God can do that. It's really so. Only God can do that. Amen. So I think I think Joe, that's about that's about all we have time right. for. So, but thank you, Joe, so much for coming. I really appreciate your thoughts and uh, yeah, really a lot to I think about there. Knowledge, and, uh, yeah. So, amen. Amen. Lord bless this time, bless this program, Joe. Good to talk to you, and uh, good to talk uh, to you, Dave. We'll touch base soon. Amen, brother. Bye bye. Hope so. Okay. You've been listening to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. You can visit us online at our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if you have comments or questions, send us an email at questions at thechristianfaith.org. And to listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify.